0: Greetings, listener. Come in out of the rain. You can bring the umbrella, just make sure to close it before you step inside. I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm here to catalogue the dark, weird, and bizarre beliefs that govern our lives. Once we've considered their origins, I'll tell you a story showing why these superstitions keep so many people in their thrall. This week's ritual is something you might have heard during your childhood, shouted by your mother perhaps. It was undoubtedly an insidious warning. If you opened an umbrella indoors, you would meet a fate worse than grounding or a timeout. You would be cursed with bad luck. You thought she was overprotective, maybe too worried about her precious moments collection or scaring the cat. A curse can't be real, can it? You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. In a moment, we'll hear about how opening an umbrella indoors isn't just tacky, it's an offense against the gods. That's
1: Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon.
0: When you hear the warnings against opening an umbrella inside, they tend to be unnecessarily vague. Bad things will happen if you do it. There is no specificity as to what kind of ill fortune is headed your way. No warnings of lost wages or impending death, no guarantees of broken-backed mothers. Simply a quick warning against the practice, which almost makes it more ominous. The same effect as simply saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Now, just as there is no one exact inventor of the umbrella, there is no singularly recognized origin of the superstition. Some trace the warning all the way back to ancient Egypt, nearly 3,000 years ago. But even that origin has multiple theories attached to it. While umbrella-related superstitions in the middle of the desert might seem odd to a modern Western audience, the umbrella served a crucial role for Egyptians, not by protecting them from rain, but from the sun. The ancient Egyptians were polytheistic and no member of their pantheon was more powerful than the sun god Ra. They may have believed that if you opened an umbrella indoors, it would anger Ra and the mighty sun god would bring down his full wrath upon you. The umbrellas of the time didn't look all that different from what we think of as umbrellas. Instead of fabric, the covering was often made from peacock feathers. It was thought that the half-domed shape combined with peacock bluish hues looked a little too much like the sky. Opening the umbrella at all, inside or out, was reserved for nobility. Since the nobles were the offspring of the gods, after all, it was fine for them to have their own mini-canopy. But if a commoner opened the umbrella, it would lead to tragedy. In this case, the danger did not come from Ra, but rather from another Egyptian god, one that didn't care if you were an Egyptian or Nubian, Greek or Semite. Open an umbrella and mock the gods, and the curse would follow you wherever you went." Syed leaned his torch against the cool stone wall of the long-abandoned tomb, his hand tracing along the hieroglyphs. He loved reading the wild self-mythologizing of these ancient nobles. In their own words, they were always so wise and beloved. They were great in their time, and their pyramids and mausoleums would stand forever as testaments to their greatness, a way to ensure that they would never, ever be forgotten. But of all the tombs Syed had robbed, he had never heard of a single one of their owners. They were all rich and powerful, and they were all just as dead. There were the same messages every time, the promises of death and destruction for all who enter, nightmarish fates that would follow whoever disturbed their eternal peace. Syed laughed. These men are always so sure of our fate. If they were so forward-thinking, why didn't they see their own downfall? Syed turned to his mentor, Tariq. The 30-year-old ignored Syed, scanning the hallway for traps. A meticulous thief, Tariq never rushed into a tomb. He entered and exited while it was still dark to ensure they weren't followed and insisted on checking each hallway and chamber for booby traps. Tariq never seemed to enjoy his job, or anything for that matter. But Syed followed his every word. Tariq was an excellent mentor. Tariq reached into the stone wall and gave it a shove. The stone door rolled out of the way and Tariq stuck his torch into the next chamber. It shone like daylight inside. Syed's eyes went wide. Everything in the room sparkled. Gold and sapphire, jasper and jade seemed to fill every corner, all surrounding a long, decorative sarcophagus in the center. Tariq turned around, his gaunt, shocked face almost looking like one of the mummies they'd robbed over the years. He cracked a smile. This is it, Syed. This is the one. We are going to be rich. Syed tried to respond, but his throat had gone dry. This was the sort of hall he'd dreamed of when Tariq first asked him to help him raid tombs. Tariq quickly filled his sack with gold. Syed couldn't take his eyes off the sparkling jewels as he felt his way toward the chamber. Syed took one step into the room and stumbled. His foot was caught on something. It looked like a bird, but that was impossible. Syed leaned closer. He was half right. It had bird feathers on it. Long, dark blue feathers folded around a thin piece of ivory. It was an umbrella. A noble's best protection against the harsh Saharan sun. Syed leaned and picked up the umbrella. Look at this. Was this genius worried about a sunburn way down in this hole? Syed fluffed out the feathers on the umbrella and daintily held it above his head. Tariq's jaw dropped. What are you doing? You cannot open that umbrella. You will anger Newt, goddess of the sky. Steal all you want, but shade is reserved for nobles. I won't let you curse us. In all their time working together, Syed had never seen Tariq so fearful. He was usually mild-mannered and unflappable. But this umbrella seemed to rattle him to his core. Syed cackled and waved the umbrella in the air. Curse us? Have you looked around, Tariq? Did Newt help out this poor dead chap? No. His entire empire is dust. These gods are not real. Tariq marched around the sarcophagus and stared at his young protege. You cannot taunt the gods, Syed. I love you like a son, but there is a difference between stealing and snubbing your nose at the heavens. Syed's laugh faded. The man was serious. Syed playfully held the umbrella over Tariq's head. Tariq shoved Syed with both hands, knocking him to the floor. Syed hopped up, the umbrella still gripped in his hands. We are already cursed. My parents were murdered by marauders, same as your wife and your child. We haven't eaten in three days. These gods did nothing for Egypt, nothing for this dead noble, and nothing for us. They did nothing because they are nothing. Tariq gritted his teeth and poked his finger into Syed's chest. I won't allow your recklessness to ruin our fortune. As soon as the sun goes down, we are going our separate ways. Syed pushed away his mentor. He wordlessly filled his sack with gold and slung it over his shoulder. With the umbrella hovering above his head like a halo, he turned to Tariq. No need to wait until night. I have all the shade I need. Syed could hear Tariq protesting behind him, pleading with him not to go out during the daytime. It was too dangerous. Syed rolled his eyes and marched out of the tomb. He wasn't going to listen to that cowardly old man anymore. Syed stepped out into the windswept valley, the towering stone statues of Anubis flanking each side of the tomb's entrance. The sun was high overhead, It was too hot for anything to be crossing the desert unprotected, but at least the brutal heat would make a chance encounter with a lion unlikely. He threw his pack over the camel's back and climbed aboard. Syed propped the umbrella on his shoulder, happy to put it to use for the first time in hundreds of years. The shade immediately gave him relief from the oppressive heat. This sort of personalized canopy used to be for nobles alone, but they were all dead. It would be a shame if the Shade died with them. Syed cracked a sly grin as the camel hobbled out onto the trail that led back to town. With his sack full of gold and the peacock umbrella, for once, the impoverished thief looked like the rich men he raided. Syed daydreamed about a warm bed and a hot meal until his route took him to a jagged canyon. It would be the quickest path to town if Syed could remember the proper way to go. Tariq always took the lead at this point. He couldn't see anything under the stark shadows of the high, rocky walls. He also couldn't see whatever hit him in the back of his head. In an instant, Syed flew off the camel's back and crashed onto the sand. His vision went blurry. Syed hardly had time to process the pain in his skull as fists, feet, and staffs rained down on his body. He couldn't see his attacker, but he immediately knew what was happening. He looked like a rich man, and he was meeting the fate of one, getting robbed by marauders. Syed covered his head with his hands and waited for the end. The assault stopped as suddenly as it started. Syed lifted his head from the ground to see four men fleeing further into the canyon. It dawned on Syed that perhaps this was another reason why Tariq didn't like to travel during the day. Syed wobbled to his feet. Everything hurt. Blood streaked his face. Bruises crisscrossed his torso. Everything was gone. The gold, the jewels, his camel, even his umbrella. Syed spat blood onto the ground. Maybe the thing was cursed anyways, he thought. Syed limped along the road. He hoped he was going in the right direction. His blurred vision and the fading light made traversing the canyon seem like an impossible task. The dream of a warm bed and a hot meal was lost for the time being. Now his only focus was on making it back to town at all. The sun was going down. Through his swollen eyelids, Syed caught the slightest glimmer in the sand. A piece of gold. He knelt down and picked it up. It was one of the pieces he stole, and it was wet. Syed flipped it over. The back of the coin was covered in blood. Syed looked down the trail. Perhaps the robbers had accidentally left him a map to get out with his own blood as the markers. Syed followed the drops of blood along the sand, but instead of getting fainter as he expected, the pools became larger, until he rounded a bend and stepped out of the canyon entirely. Syed gasped. Here the sands were stained a dark red. Puddles of blood pooled around dismembered body parts and shiny gold coins. It was the marauders that attacked him. What was left of them, anyway. The four were torn into a dozen pieces. Their missing throats and shredded limbs told him all he needed to know. They had been caught off guard by a lion. Lying amongst the death and destruction was the plumed umbrella, as neatly folded as it was when Syed tripped over it that morning. He limped over to the umbrella and picked it up. Questions swirled in his mind. Had he angered Newt? Was the pain and agony that followed him like the sun, divine punishment? Maybe the gods were real after all. Maybe the umbrella was cursed. Syed stopped himself. That was nonsense. Gods and curses were silly superstitions of old. He chuckled and popped open the umbrella, slinging it over his shoulder once again. There was no sunlight to block now. He just liked the way it looked though maybe he should have considered that the umbrella blocked his peripheral vision. But Syed didn't. Just as he didn't spare a second thought about offending his mentor or parading around on the back of a camel as if he was a noble without a guard, Syed should have considered a lot of things. For instance, that the lion that caused the slaughter might still be nearby. By the time he heard the roar, it was already too late. Coming up, the curse evolves along with the umbrella itself.
2: The internet, what would we do without it? So much information,
1: so little time, and yet with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark spooky secrets
2: mysteries yet to be solved until now this isn't clickbait this is our exclusive new podcast internet urban legends i'm loey your evidence expert and i'm eleanor
1: the self-proclaimed skeptic together we're the gruesome twosome sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web
2: every tuesday we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt
1: Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, Blank Room
2: Soup. Or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths.
1: Or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo Challenge.
2: Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And
1: no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us?
2: Follow our new Spotify original from ParCast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify.
0: Now, back to the story. The supposed Egyptian curses around opening an umbrella leave more questions than answers. Do we still avoid opening them indoors because we're afraid of an ancient Egyptian sky goddess? That seems unlikely. Over the years, the design of the umbrella constantly changed. By the 19th century, umbrellas were heavy and awkward. Pre-1850, they were typically made of whalebone and were exceedingly bulky. In addition, the coverings were often made of thick canvas or silk, neither of which were ideal for daily use. Even though umbrellas had become popular throughout the upper class in England, they still weren't all that practical. That changed in the mid-1800s when wire maker Samuel Fox is credited with inventing what we would recognize as the modern umbrella. Fox's company figured out a way to make a lightweight but sturdy wire frame for an umbrella. With its spring-loaded release, these new umbrellas were easy to store and carry. But with a frame made out of tiny steel wires and a spring release that could whip open in the blink of an eye, The new umbrellas were also quite dangerous. And with the newfound danger, the superstitions around the accessory once again asserted themselves. In Victorian England, it was a common refrain. Open an umbrella indoors and you will be cursed with bad luck. It was a warning to impish children who might be tempted to play with an umbrella. Though one not all children would heed. Alexander Reginald Henry III opened his eyes. Someone was knocking on his door. The softness of the knock let him know it was his little sister Elizabeth, the golden child, mother's favorite. The twelve-year-old hopped off his bed and approached the door, but took his time answering. Elizabeth needed to know the world didn't revolve around her. His mother certainly wasn't going to teach her that lesson. She was constantly scolding Alex for one thing or another, running in the halls, scaring the horses, harassing his little sister. Elizabeth never got scolded the way Alex did. If Elizabeth snatched his book or stole his biscuit, she was just being a kid. If Alex reacted, he was being impulsive and delinquent. It wasn't fair. But Alex knew he needed to be on his best behavior on this dreary morning. Today, was the day. The day his father, Colonel Alexander Reginald Henry II, finally returned home from his year-long journey through Africa. He knew it was an important trip. He'd eavesdropped and heard the colonel telling his mother that the tour was at the request of Queen Victoria herself. Alex couldn't wait to find out what his father had brought him back on his journey abroad. His mother was certainly going to get another ornate handbell, but he prayed for something exciting. Maybe it was a haunted tribal artifact or a book about the Egyptian gods. He didn't care what it was really, although he hoped his artifact would be more exciting than whatever Elizabeth got. Elizabeth knocked again. Finally, Alex threw open the door. There, on the other side, was his blonde-haired, blue-eyed sister. Despite recently having hit a growth spurt, the nine-year-old was still small for her age. Alex mockingly bowed to her. Good morning, sister. Elizabeth meekly whispered. Mother says it's time for breakfast. And don't run. Alex nodded. As slowly as possible, he lifted his foot off the ground. He stretched it out as far as he could, lowering the heel. With the pace of a snail, Alex flattened his foot onto the ground. He repeated the process with his other foot. Elizabeth stomped. Not like that! Alex smiled, pleased that Elizabeth was so easy to torment. But you said not to run. He elevated his foot again to take another painfully slow step. Elizabeth's face turned red. Tears welled in her eyes. She stomped her foot again and wailed, Mommy, Alex is walking slow on purpose. Alex suddenly broke into a sprint and bolted down the stairs like a flash of lightning. Elizabeth ran right behind him. His little sister wasn't going to let him out of her sight. He shouted as he took the stairs two at a time. I don't know what she's talking about. The bookshelf at the bottom of the stairs came into view. It's where their mother kept her ornate collection of glass handbells. It seemed like a horrible place to put them, but his mother said the light hit them perfectly in the morning. Alex slammed to a stop at the bottom of the steps. He wanted to make sure it looked like he was walking at a normal speed as he entered the dining room. It was a perfect plan. Or it would have been. Two weeks prior to Elizabeth's growth spurt. Elizabeth was slightly taller now, her legs just a bit longer than they used to be. She could cover more ground than before. Elizabeth crashed into Alex at full speed and sent him tumbling headfirst into the bookshelf. Time slowed to a crawl. The bells got closer. Alex ducked his head, hoping that his body would crash into the books and spare the bells. Alex crumbled into a heap at the bottom of the bookshelf. His back hurt, but his eyes remained locked on the green, sparkling glass of a bell the colonel brought back from India. The bell teetered on the side of the bookshelf and tumbled towards the floor. In desperation, Alex shot out his hand to grab it. His fingertips just grazed the edge. It wasn't enough. All Alex managed to accomplish was swatting the bell across the hallway. The delicate glass shattered into dozens of tiny shards. Alex stared at the destroyed trinket. That wasn't how any of this was supposed to go. His mother stepped into the hallway. Alex scanned the scene. His sister, a crying lump, he in a ball at the base of the bookshelf, And the shattered bells spread out between them. He knew exactly who was going to be blamed for this mess. His mother scowled. What have you done? Alex quickly hopped to his feet to defend himself, but it was too late. His mother pointed up the stairs. Go to your room and stay there until your father gets home. His mother didn't take another look at him. She barely seemed to notice the broken bell at all. Instead, her full attention was on Elizabeth. Alex carefully stepped around the broken glass and slunk his way upstairs. It wasn't even my fault. It was Elizabeth. If she hadn't run into me, everything would have been fine, Alex thought as he walked down the dark upstairs hallway back to his room. Alex stared out the window of his bedroom, watching the rain fall across the lush English countryside. He couldn't wait to plead his case to his father. He just knew the Colonel would take his side. Far down the road, a speck appeared over the horizon. Suddenly, the rain seemed to lighten up, a ray of sunshine cut through the clouds. It was a coach. Alex hummed with excitement. It had to be the Colonel. He dried his eyes and straightened out his clothes, making himself as presentable as possible. Alex turned as the door opened behind him. Once again, it was Elizabeth. Mother says you can come downstairs now. Father is here. Alex nodded to his sister. He wasn't ready to forgive her for her role earlier, but he couldn't let it get in the way of his reunion with his father and whatever token the colonel brought back from his travels. Calmly and politely, Alex followed his sister downstairs. The bell had been cleaned up, only a gap in the bookshelf to indicate that it was ever there. Alex hung his head and fell behind Elizabeth. The two turned the corner toward the foyer. The front door was already open. Colonel Alexander Reginald Henry II stood with the setting sun behind him, a wide smile on his face. The children rushed to their father, who wrapped his arms around them. Elizabeth wasted no time. Father, what did you bring us? Alex was pleased that Elizabeth brought up the subject first. It saved him from looking like a brat so soon after breaking the bell. No one would discipline the favorite for inquiring about her present. She was just a kid. The colonel reached into his pack. This is for you, Alex. He pulled out a tiny, faded green beetle. Alex stared at it, dumbfounded. A bug made out of rock? The colonel nodded. Those are quite important to the Egyptian people. It's a sign of nobility. And for you, my dear Elizabeth, this Alex gawked as his father pulled out a long, beautiful blue umbrella. It had a golden handle and a thin ivory base. Peeking out from the folded-over ends of the umbrella was the head of an intricately drawn peacock. It was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. The colonel spoke softly. This was handmade in Egypt made just like the best fox umbrellas in England but with a design reminiscent of the ones the pharaohs used to shade themselves from the sun. Be careful. Whatever you do, don't open it inside. It's bad luck. The colonel gave Elizabeth a wink. The delicate girl cradled the umbrella with care and respect. She was every bit as enamored with the gift as Alex was. Alex had to get his hands on it, He could feel his mother's eyes on him. He politely approached his sister. Would you like to see my beetle? Elizabeth smiled. She held out the umbrella to trade. Alex snatched it out of her hand and ran to the far end of the hallway at the bottom of the steps, where the good light was. He held it up to the setting evening sun. It was amazing. But he wanted to see the rest of that peacock. Elizabeth called out from down the hall, ''Can I have the umbrella back now?'' Her feet pitter-pattered down the hall. A smile came across his face. Maybe he could give her a good scare and get to see the peacock. Elizabeth was getting close. Alex didn't care about the bad luck. That was certainly something his father had made up. He was sure it didn't apply to him. Alex pressed his finger onto the spring-loaded release. The umbrella shot open. Almost simultaneously, Elizabeth let out a shrill, unholy scream. Alex dropped the umbrella. Blood ran down the side of her cheek. Her hand firmly grasped around her eye. Her parents rushed into the room, horror on both their faces. The colonel gave a swift backhand to his son. That's why you don't open the blasted thing inside! Look what you've done! His mother didn't bother to scold him. She had already scooped Elizabeth up in her arms and was bolting for the door. The coach was still outside. The colonel followed his wife out, not bothering to leave instructions for Alex on what he should do while they were away. Alex stared down at the blue umbrella. He could finally see all of the peacock. The tip of its beak was stained red with his sister's blood. Alex's heart sank. That's why it's bad luck, the boy thought. Tears welled in his eyes as he dropped his head and stepped over the umbrella. Alex marched up to his room. He would never be his parents' favorite now. Elizabeth would forever be their little angel and he the demon that maimed her. It wasn't the umbrella's fault. He was bad luck. A walking accident waiting to happen. Elizabeth was harmless, innocent, perfect. He hoped she did lose the eye. The spring-loaded, steel-wire, ribbed umbrellas of Samuel Fox's design were incredibly popular throughout the back half of the 19th century. It is the same essential design we see in our homes today. But as they showed up in more and more households, they became a dangerous temptation for the children. Opening an umbrella in a small, confined space was an invitation for broken trinkets and punctured siblings. The modern superstition appears to be less about avoiding curses and angry gods and more about injured kids. Harried parents trying their best to stop their sons and daughters from doing permanent damage around the home another in a long line of supernatural tales trying to scare children straight. After all, a simple, you will hurt yourself, is easily brushed aside, but a curse is another matter. Perhaps that was always the warning, even in the days of ancient Egypt. Shade is nice, but not worth blocking your view of potential threats, and anything spring-loaded is guaranteed to get a quick rise out of a youngster but it's also just as likely to do serious damage to person and property. So maybe think twice next time you want to tempt fate and open an umbrella indoors. Not because you'll be cursed, but because nobody wants blood on their hands or their umbrellas. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kerry Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petras. I'm Alastair Murden.